And so on that note, you get me this morning. I don't know if that's a... (laughs) So the... uh, I'll tell you, you got to be ready in season and out. Amen? Praise God. The uh, teaching that I'm going to be doing this morning is called Defeat Does Not Belong to You. The Lord's really been talking to me a lot lately about the church and the identity that each believer needs to have as a, as a Christian. Uh, not just knowing that you're going to heaven one day, not just knowing that, hey, I'm born again and I'm going to heaven, that's going to be great, but understanding who you are now living upon the earth. There's a lot of rights and privileges that have been given to us, each one of us. And uh, so I want to cover some of that today, you know, with the whole COVID pandemic thing that's taken place. And if you remember, uh, we had a lot of civil unrest uh, through the different things that had taken place. And so it wasn't just the COVID, it was all the civil unrest that had taken place across this nation that swept through the nation. And what I've seen is, and I know you've seen it too, when you're out in the world, out amongst the people that aren't believers, you see the fear. People are inundated with fear. There's timidity. They're overcautious. They don't know what's coming next. And so I have seen this same train of thought enter into the body of Christ. And so we need to understand who we are, what belongs to us, what our rights and privileges are. So I'm going to cover some things today uh, in the body that I, today with the body of Christ, that I just hear the Lord saying that we need to realize that defeat does not belong to us. We are here in this world to make a difference. And we are the ones who walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? And so... Let's take a look at John 16:33. Let me kind of set this up for you. Uh, when you look at, uh, in the book of John, you look through uh, chapters 14 through 17, you'll notice that all four of those chapters are all red letter. Well, this is Jesus speaking, uh, and they put all four chapters in, and we call this the farewell discourse. This is the night uh, that he gathered together. We call it the Last Supper, the night before he was crucified, before he was arrested, and uh, they, Jesus gathered together with his disciples to give them his last words, if you will. And so there's a lot of information. Uh, he speaks of his departure. He speaks of the coming of the Holy Spirit. He tells them that he needs to go away so the Holy Spirit will come. He talks about the function of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit would do, what they can expect. So there's a lot of information in those four chapters that was given in that one night. Let's take a look at what Jesus said in John 16:33. He said, "These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace." Oh, I like that. Peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Well, what things is he talking about? He said, "These things I have spoken to you." Well, he's talking about the word. He's talking about kingdom principles. He's talking about the newness of life in walking together, being filled with the Holy Spirit. That word peace, where he says, in me you may have peace, is the word irene, and in the Greek, and it's a word that means basically the same thing that the word in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is shalom. The counterpart to that would be shalom. 
And this word means this. It means health, welfare, means prosperity. It means this, every kind of good. It means divine favor. So when he says, in me, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, this is what he's talking about. In fact, if you do a word study on this word Irene and on the word shalom, you'll come up with something that basically says this in a nutshell, an easy way to grab onto it, nothing missing and nothing broken. The state of living in with nothing missing and nothing broken. It's a state of contentment. Let's take a look at the same scripture, John 16, 33, in the classic Amplified Version that says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. I like that. And confidence. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident. Certain. Undaunted. For I have overcome the world. Listen to this, I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Oh, somebody needs to say amen to that. Praise God. Jesus is saying, tribulations will come, trials will come, distress will come, and frustration will come. But, everybody say, but. I have deprived them of the power or ability to harm you. So I'll tell you, that's good news right there. That's some, that's some shouting scripture. The word but is a game changer. Did you know that? It's a word that introduces a new thought. Jesus wants us to understand that defeat is not in our future, nor is it the norm for us as believers? This should change our outlook. Think of those, those words, be of good cheer. The trials that come our way, I want you to hear this, the trials that come our way have an expiration date. You need to hear that again. The trials that come our way have an expiration date. Listen to this. They are seasonal and have been deprived of their ability to dominate us. So when things come your way, what's one of the first things that we have a tendency to think about? Oh, I'm not getting out of this one. And you know, the enemy will come to your mind and say, oh, you got out of those other things, but this time you're not getting out of this. You're going down. You're never coming up. You're not going to make it this time. Anybody else heard those thoughts? See, it's the same devil that talks to us all. And so he tells us that they're going to remain. But I'm telling you, as a believer, your troubles, those trials, have an expiration date. They're seasonal. I like that scripture in the Bible. It's not really in context with this. I like the phrase that says, and it came to pass. Amen? And I like that. You know that's in the Bible, and it came to pass. And so whenever a situation comes my way, you know what's the first thing I say? It came to pass. In other words, I'm saying this thing isn't going to stay. It's eventually going to leave. It came to pass. I see, what am I doing when I say that? I'm reminding myself. I'm talking to myself. And I'm saying, hey, Dan, you need to remember that this thing is seasonal. This thing's got an expiration date. It will 
path. Amen. The Young's literal translation of this scripture that we're reading in John in uh, 1633, uh, where Jesus said, "Be of good cheer." The Young's literal translation. I really like this. Instead of "be of good cheer," it says, "But take courage." I like that. You know where? Think about that. But take courage. In other words, I've got to go over and I've got to take courage. I've got to grab a hold of it and say, faith, get in here. Confidence, get in here. Peace, get in here. I'm laying hold of it. I'm making it mine. Jesus said it, but I can just let it lay there, or I can take hold of it, and I can make it mine. I have a choice to make, don't I? And so I take courage. I like that. We have to take it, and we have to employ it, those words that Jesus said. Yes, we have a choice based on the words of Jesus. It's who we are, and we have to understand the spirit that's within us. We're born again. The realization that Jesus has deprived all tribulation of its power to harm me and has conquered it for me disarms Satan's tactics against me. See, his tactics of fear no longer have place in my life when I take courage and I understand that they're seasonal and understand that Jesus has already disarmed it of its ability to overcome me. It it really defeats him in my life and enhances my ability to endure. It infuses me with confidence and hope. In other words, I can say I'm coming through this thing in victory. I'm coming to the other side. The word enduring or being patient means this. Being consistent, non-changing, constant. Saying the same thing. You know, speaking the word of God. Saying the same thing that the word says. Whether the circumstances are good or the circumstances are bad. I remain the same. I continue to speak the word. I continue to expect the word. I continue to realize that the circumstances have been defeated already. Enduring means holding on to the God-given blessing of peace and refusing to compromise and take on the turmoil of the moment. I'm going to read this same scripture, John 16, 33. Now, I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable. Oh, I like that. Unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart. I've conquered the world. Woo. In 2 Timothy 3.1, it says this, Paul said this, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. You know that we're in the last days? We're in the beginning of the last days. So the things that are happening now, what would we call those? Perilous times. So perilous times he told Timothy, perilous times will come. Well, I'll say perilous, perilous times have come. And so let's take a look at the word perilous times in the Amplified, uh, classic Amplified. Listen to this, perilous times. Hard to deal with and hard to bear. 
That's what the Amplified says in that scripture. Hard to deal with and hard to bear. But did you know it didn't say they were impossible? Just because something is hard to deal with and just because something is hard to bear does not mean it's impossible to get through it. And that's what we have to understand. But God has deprived them of their power and ability to harm you and has conquered them for, uh, for you. Take courage, be confident, be certain, and be undaunted. Did you know there's a scripture in Mark uh, 9.23? And it says that uh, all things are possible to them who believe. All things are possible to them who believe. Do we have any believers in the house today? Now, I got something to tell you then. Good news. All things are possible for you. Amen? We need to take this to heart and allow it to really dominate and capture our thinking. I want you to say this with me. Say this. Say, defeat is not in my future. Oh, and, and just don't say it. Say it. Amen? Are you ready? Let's say it together. Defeat is not in my future. Praise God. I want to talk about Paul and a little story about him in Acts 23, uh, verse 11. Uh, Paul was arrested on, on false charges uh, according to Jewish law. They trumped up some charges against him. And he's held by the Romans, and he's been jailed, okay? And so in Acts 23, 11, it says this. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said this. Be of good cheer. Whoa. Jesus likes those words. He said, be of good cheer, Paul. What was he saying to Paul? Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. And be undaunted. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so also you must bear witness in Rome. So what was Jesus saying to Paul? He was saying this. So you must also fulfill your future and your destiny. Paul, you've got a future and you've got a destiny. And these tests and these trials that you're going through, these perilous times, he said, this is not the end for you. You've got a future, you've got a hope, and you've got a destiny. Notice, Rome was in Paul's future and Rome uh, was in his destiny and it was, and not defeat. Defeat did not belong to him. Let's read on in verse 12 through 18 of Acts 23. And when it was day, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Wow, things have just heated up a little bit for Paul, haven't they? Now, they, now there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. They came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great oath that we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Now you, therefore, together with the council, suggest to the commander that he be brought down to you tomorrow as though you were going to make further inquiries concerning him. But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So when Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul, 
Then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. The plans that these men, these men have made to kill Paul were now thwarted and spoiled by a young boy. Paul went on to fulfill his destiny. You know, I was thinking when I read this, I was thinking of the scripture in 1 Corinthians 1.27 that says that God uses the foolish things of this world to, to confound the wise or bring the plans of the wise to naught. Tribulation, trial, distress, frustration, perilous times, certainty of death, but they were defeated and deprived of their power to succeed against him. Paul was told by Jesus to be of good cheer, confident and certain of his future, certain of the future and purpose that God had ordained for him. And let me say this to you. God has ordained a future, a hope, and a destiny for each one of you. Let's take a look at Paul's thinking, how he, how he believed. What was Paul's identity? How could Paul live with such victory in his life? Let's take a look at this. I want to look at the man's mindset. And we find this in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. As he's writing to the church in Ephesus, he wants them to get a hold of this new covenant kingdom mindset as well. And he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now listen to this. For we are his workmanship. Oh, I love that word workmanship. It's the word poema in the Greek language. And if, it, it, it should sound a little bit familiar to you because poema is, is the place, the word, where we get our word poem today. Now, when you think about a poem, those are not just words that are just written down. You know, you just throw down some words and call it a poem. A poem has to have rhyme. It has to have meter. It has to have a thought behind it. It's something that's well thought out. It's something that is structured. In fact, we would say that people that uh, write poetry, uh, uh, skillful poetry, we, we, they have... They would be skillful in what they're doing. And so when God created you, I want you to know you're one of a kind. You are a masterpiece created by the master. You are a masterpiece, a one-off. There's no other one like you. You're an individual, unique. And God has plans and purposes specifically for you. You have a calling that God has tailor-made for you for this life. You're not, you weren't designed by God as an afterthought. You're not a mistake. You weren't made of, of leftover parts. You're a masterpiece. And you've got a master-designed purpose in your life. For you to fulfill. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, listen, for good works, future and purpose. 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in there. Notice it doesn't say that you might walk in them. But God is saying, I've created a future for you. I've given you plans and purposes for your life that you should walk in there. God's will is for you to do that. I want to take a look at Ephesians 2.10 in the classic Amplified. And it says this, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Whew! Do you like that? I'll tell you, I, I, I don't know if you're getting anything out of this, but I'm getting happy up here. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, man, I'm going to give another offering or something. I, I'm just really excited. <laughs> you know, when you understand this mindset, when you really see what Paul was thinking about, I think sometimes we super spiritualize people like Paul. And we put them on up such a high pedestal and say, well, that was, that was Paul. You know, he had a special calling. Yeah, he did. But you know what? He was a man, a human being, just like we are. He was a born-again man, just like we are. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, just like we are. As you know, there's about five scriptures in the Bible that says that God does not show favoritism. What he does for one, it's available to all. And so what Paul is talking about here is the kingdom mindset that's available for each one of us that we should be walking in. With this understanding of, of Paul, you can see now why in Acts 20:24, 20, when prophets were telling Paul, hey, the you know, cities that you, where you're going to be headed, you've got some tough times coming. You're going to be bound. Uh, you're going into prison. You've got some tough things up ahead of you. And I mean, these were prophets talking to him. And you know what Paul said? I like this. He said, but none of these things move me. He said he knew he was going into perilous times. He knew that trouble was up ahead. He knew that tribulation was up ahead. But he also knew that Jesus had overcome the world. And so with that mindset, he said, none of these things move me. What was he saying? I'm a child of God. I'm one with God Almighty. I'm one with Jesus Christ. I'm washed in the blood. I'm filled with the Spirit. If the Lord is leading me this way and problems come, so be it. I'm going through it because they're seasonal. They've got an expiration date and they've come to pass. And I will go to the other side and I will fulfill my destiny. He wasn't moved by the problems the devil was trying to bring his way. And look at what he said in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow, I love it. The church has been giving up too quickly when all along defeat is not in our future. Paul went through some uncomfortable times in ministry, he had to endure unfavorable seasons, but he knew that all of those seasons were temporary. Well, what happened to Paul? 
after he went through all this time being imprisoned, uh, finally did make it to Rome. And so what happened to him? When you look at the end of Acts, I love this, this section right here, because it says, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. I'd say he went through the season, amen? He got to the other side. He held on to the future and the plans and the purposes that God had for him, and he fulfilled them. He was able to preach the word to anybody who wanted to have nobody forbidding him. No demon, no devil, and he went and, and did some great things there. Let's take a look at Philippians uh, 1, 21 through 26. Now, this is where Paul is in his first imprisonment. And so... Uh, Writing the uh, book of Philippians, Philippians is one of the prison epistles, and so he wrote four uh, letters to the church uh, from prison. He wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and then the the letter of Philemon, and he wrote those all in that first uh, imprisonment. And so listen to what he's saying. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet, what shall I choose? Did you hear those words? I thought the Romans were in charge when you're in prison. You know, the Romans thought they were in charge, didn't they? But listen to what Paul's saying. What shall I choose? I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for my coming to you again. Paul made a choice, not the devil and not the Romans. Paul made the choice. Then in his latter um, imprisonment, uh, when he finally was put to death, listen to what Paul said in his writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 7. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. Listen, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So he finished, he completed his future, and his destiny. He says, I've completed those things. Now the time of my departure is at hand. The Romans didn't end it. The devil didn't end it. He made a choice to live on to the place where he finished his work. He finished the assignment that the Lord had given to him. And at that time, then he departed from the earth. It was his choice because Jesus had deprived the attacks of the power to destroy him. Paul took heed to the word and not the circumstances in life. Shipwrecks, snake bites, stoning, being left for dead, prison, and he kept on ministering because Jesus had deprived the attacks of the power to destroy him. And he knew it. And he placed faith in God, faith in his word, taking heed, 
and staying focused on what God had said. And his statement in life was, but none of these things move me. If we're being conquered by Satan's attacks, then it's because we're not acting on our God-given rights and authority. We've been giving up too quickly, having become convinced by the enemy that the circumstances are greater than the word of God. Did you know that's really what it is when the enemy comes to you and tells you you're not going to make it? When he tells you you're not going to make it, you know what he's really saying? My word is greater than God's word. Because what does God's word say? With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. The devil says, you're not going to make it through this one. And it's contrary to the things that God is saying. The devil can't make you do anything. But he tries to convince you to agree with his word over God's word. To put faith in his word. You know, we're always in belief. We're always believing something. We're either believing we can or we're believing that we can't. Faith, you know, we try, you hear a lot of people in church, yeah, we're trying, we're preaching the faith message, or we're trying to get people to walk by faith. People always walk by faith. We're always in faith, believing we can or believing we can't. Praise God. I want to talk to you about King David's. Let's look at his identity with God. And so King David, having killed Goliath, enjoyed a season of prosperity. King Saul became jealous and began to seek to kill David. But God deprived Saul of the ability to succeed. Why? Because it was not in David's future to be killed by Saul. And it's not in your future to be defeated. Say it with me again. Defeat does not belong to me. Does not belong to me. Well, David flees from Saul, and he goes over to the Philistines in Gath. You know, where, you know who the Philistines, you know who, where Gath was and the Philistines? You know who was there? Goliath's brethren. So he leaves Saul, and he goes over. I'm thinking, David, couldn't you went somewhere else? That probably wasn't a good place to go. So he goes to, he goes to Gath and, and, and with the Philistines. And so let's take a look at Psalms 56. It, de it describes that time period when he fled there. And if you wanted to read the section, it's in 1 Samuel 21. And so, uh, but in Psalms 56, it says this. David says, Be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies would hound me all day. For there are many who fight against me, O Most High. Whenever I am afraid, fear. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. Do you hear what David is saying? He says, fear is coming at me, but I refuse to fear. I could just hear David saying this, no fear here. And then he says, what can flesh do to me? Boy, that sounds like Paul, doesn't it? What can man do to me? And here he says, what can flesh do to me? He knew that he was in a covenant, just like Paul, just like you. We're in the new covenant. David was in the covenant, the old covenant with God. He understood covenant. All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. 
They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquity? In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. You number my wanderings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. Oh, is God for you? Amen. You're a child of God. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Vows made to you are binding upon me. Oh God, I render praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling? That I may walk before God in the light of the living. David was anointed to be king. Chosen by God. He believed it. It became his identity. Paul was destined to go to Rome by God. He believed it. It became his identity. We've been ordained by God for good works. Predestined. Let us believe it and let it become our identity. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Listen to some of the things that Paul was writing. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. I'll tell you, you ought to write that scripture down. You ought to memorize that one. We have in our hallway, you've probably heard me say this before, uh, Keiko printed out a big thing, and it's just a word that says, always. So when I'm walking down the hallway and you make a turn to go down another hallway, there's that word, always. What is, what? Somebody would come into our house and say, why do you have that word always up there? Because it's 2 Corinthians, it reminds us of, it's a remez, it reminds us of 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always, leads us in triumph. What does God do? He always leads us in triumph. Always. Did you get that? Always. When the enemy says you're not going to make it, you know what you need to say to him? Always. (laughs) Second Corinthians 2.14 in the message translation. In the Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Are you here? Are you awake? You should have jumped out of your skin with that one right there. I need to read that again. Maybe you were thinking of uh, what you're going to eat afterwards. Focus. Here we go. In Messiah, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. Philippians 1, 27 and 28 says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of ruin or perdition, but to you of salvation. Let me expand on that. But to you of the kingdom benefits of salvation that are from God. Look at this, uh, verse 28 there, in the classic Amplified. And do not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by your opponents or adversaries. 
And the same uh, verse in the New American Standard updated version says this, in no way alarmed by your opponents. Jesus said, remember, in John 16, 33, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. No matter what the situations in life look like, I've come to the place where I believe and I know I will not be defeated. For me, quitting is not an option. In conclusion, let's take a look at Romans 5.13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Did you know that joy and peace should be the norm for the believer? Joy and peace in believing that you may, listen, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That word hope is not the word wish. You've probably heard me talk about this word, this word before. It's the word L-P-S, E-L-P-I-S in the Greek, and it actually means this. See, hope is, I mean, we, in the natural uh, culture of today, we, we establish the word wish along with it. You know, I wish when I got home that there'd be a big cake waiting for me. But, but I know it's not going to be there, okay? But uh, I wish, but I, I know it's not, unless I stop and pick one up. And so that's really wish is what I'm saying. You know, I'm using the word hope like wish. But the biblical word for hope, it has nothing to do with wish. It's a concrete word just as powerful as the word faith. Faith operates in the now, and hope operates in the future, and the future could be two minutes from now, could be an hour from now, but hope is a concrete of the word of God that will, that will come to pass, but hasn't come to pass yet. So let me give you my explanation. When you look at hope and you do a uh, word study on it, this is what I've come up with. The earnest, expect, the earnest expectation of those things that are promised, but have not yet come to pass, but they are promised, and they are just up ahead. We need to be fervent in our expectation of his grace and our expectation of his promises. The word enthusiasm or being fervent in the Greek language has at its roots, uh, when it's used in conjunction with the believer, it means this, the ability to see God in every situation. Wow. That's having a kingdom mindset. Training yourself, being in the word on a daily basis, basis, taking time in the presence of God, taking time to pray in the spirit, to worship him, to love on him. Uh, these need to become mainstays in our life. And when we do this, we begin to take on a kingdom mindset. And we will then develop that ability to see God in every situation. Now we can understand more deeply why Paul said, none of these things move me. Don't let what's happening around you take up residence on the inside of you. You are an overcomer. You are a child of God. You have a preordained destiny in him. Continue to press into him in faith believing 
and watch your destiny unfold. Defeat does not belong to you. Can we go ahead and stand? Father, we give you praise and we thank you, Lord, for the word that we heard today. Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, help us to move into a deeper place where we begin to take on that kingdom mindset. Lord, that we begin to develop times where we're in the word. Lord, we're looking at the journaling uh, layout within the bulletin and we're beginning to at least read one of those chapters on a, day, a daily basis every day, allowing your word to inundate us. Lord, and we won't just read it alone, but we'll read it with you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you for impacting our lives with those truths. Lord, that we can move in to a deeper understanding that when the devil brings trials our way, we'll understand that they've got an expiration date, that we'll understand that they're seasonal, that we'll understand that they just simply came to pass because we know who we are, we know our God, and we know your word, and we are walking, being led by the Holy Spirit day by day. Lord, we give you praise today, and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen.